as long as you're loved, it doesn't matter, you know, who loves you, if they're related to you, where they live next door to you, or, you know, it's someone that you talk to only on the phone, you know, that you feel the love and friends supply, you know, they always say like friends are the family that you pick. Truly, sometimes it is really true. Hey everyone, I'm Bianca Schultz from the Children's Book Review, and this is the Growing Readers Podcast. In this episode, I talk with Beth Ferry, the author of several picture books, including the New York Times bestselling Stick and Stone, illustrated by Tom Lichtenhald. She lives with her husband and three children by the beach in New Jersey, where she loves to wander, explore, and mainly lays on the shore but only in the summer. She says, words to me are like bees and butterflies buzzing and fluttering inside my head, sparking my imagination. Today, we're going to talk about her latest collaboration with the very talented Tom Lichtenheld, Stick and Stone, Best Friends Forever. It's a story that demonstrates how friends can truly become family. Here's the synopsis. This ode to unconditional love is a brand new adventure for New York Times best-selling BFF Stick and Stone, in which Stick searches for his family tree and discovers the importance of found family and forever friends. Stick has always wanted to find his family tree. It's probably big and beautiful. Is it an oak? A maple? What other sticks might he meet? Stone is happy to accompany his friend on the journey to find the tree he comes from, until it gets dark and a bit scary in the forest. With bright, engaging illustrations from best-selling creator Tom Lichtenheld, Beth Ferry's story explores the importance of learning about our roots, as well as the ability of friends and found family to help us grow strong in heart and mind. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, thank you. Well, we have actually reviewed and featured a few of your books on the Children's Book Review. And so I'm really, really excited to talk to you about your newest book, Stick and Stone, Best Friends Forever, which is the follow-up to your New York Times bestselling picture <laughs> book, Stick and Stone, which came out in was it 2015? Yes, 2015. Yeah. And you're so lucky you have the wonderful illustrator, Tom Lichtenhauen. Um, so being a bestseller and all, we know there are many, many readers that are going to be so happy to see these characters again in this new story. But just in case there's any listeners that may be unfamiliar with Stick and Stone, will you give everyone a little recap of that first book? Sure. So yes, Stick and Stone. I can't believe it's been six years now. Honestly, the time goes so fast, but it was my very first book and I had written it basically 
trying to get published, you know, as, as all aspiring writers are trying to be published. And I got the idea just from a song on the radio where there is a line about your best friend sticking up for you. And when I heard that line on the radio, I was like, oh, you know, that's a really good idea about how hard it is to stick up for your friends. Like, you know, it's easy to be a friend, but, you know, then to stick up for your friend in front of others isn't so easy. So the whole idea originated from the word stick and a stick sticking up for a friend. And then the whole stick and stone, you know, break your bone, that old nursery rhyme, basically a book about friendship. It's a book about how someone's brave enough to stick up for someone. And that kind of cements the friendship. And then they have a few adventures, which as we all know, doing things to just doing things together is, is how friendship is formed. You know, it's not some complicated formula. It's just, you know, going to school, going to the playground, spending time together. So the whole book was really, I think about the bravery of being able to stick up for a friend and then just how friendships form just by, you know, having adventures together. It's beautiful. And I I love that first story. So now these beloved buddies are embarking (laughs) on a new adventure to find Stick's family tree. Now, when we think of the family tree, we think of like all of the branches connecting us with all of our family members. Uh, But for Stick, that's part of it. But it's also, he's looking for the literal tree that he came from. So tell us about this new book. Right. So I think what's really interesting about this book is it really the way that it came about. So when I had originally written Stick and Stone, I had written a a number of adventures for these characters. Um, And, you know, they were going to just go and do a lot of different things. And as the years went by, Tom Lichtenheld will tell you he is not a big fan of sequels. So a sequel really wasn't in, you know, the books, so to say. So I decided a few years later that I would take all these original picture book stories and try to put them into a graphic novel series. Because, you know, as I'm sure you know, graphic novels... (laughs) are like exploding and there's so many of them. And I had talked to Tom about it and, you know, he thought it was a great idea. And so I did, I, I, I wrote all these graphic novel stories. And when we approached our editor, she asked us if there was a sequel, like a picture book sequel. And really, truly, I was like, no, there isn't. Like I've used up all the stories that I can think of in these graphic novels. I don't have something that's like, and I'm going to say good enough because as you know, like sequels are often a disappointment. <laughs> so so true. Really, yes. And I, I was so afraid to do a sequel. You know, so at first I said, no, I said, oh, I, I just don't have it in me. I don't have a story for them. But then as most things happen, I started to think about it and I really did. I thought oh, it's been six years that these characters have been friends. And like so many of our friends in real life, your friends become your family. They just do. You know, they're the people that you call. Like when I think about, you know, if my kids need a ride somewhere, we don't always call family members, we call friends, but they really are your family. So to make a long story short, I decided to pursue the found family idea that these friends have now matured and had a relationship for so long that now they're kind of like family, but they don't know it. So the whole idea is Stick decides he has lost his leaf in the first book and he can't remember what kind of tree he is. So he wants to go find his family tree. And of course his friend accompanies him. So they go on into the forest and it's scary and they go on adventure, not really the adventure to find the tree and what they find is each other. And Stone realizes at first and then Stick realizes it too, that you, you know, you don't often have, not everyone has family that's related to them, but they have people in their life that are their family. And it's really satisfying. And it really, and, and the best part truly for me about this whole 
process was I had sent it to Tom, knowing full well he was not going to illustrate it. He has an assistant, someone, her name is Kristen Sella, and she'll be doing the graphic novels, but fully aware that he would not be doing this story and that she would be doing it. And after he read it, he said, I want to do it. So that was really <laughs> like a big gift. So yeah, and then we worked at it together, which just was really fun because he would send me sketches and we would talk about it. And, you know, it was a true collaboration where the first book was not at all. I didn't know him. We never spoke about it. Um, and then this book was a, a complete collaboration with, you know, from the text had been written, but we tweaked the text based on his art as you think a collaboration should be. So that was really special. Wow. Yeah, that is really special. I think since we're talking about Tom and his artwork, I just really love his ability to create facial expressions with a mere dot or a line or maybe the mouth isn't a line now and it's a little triangle. It's, I mean, just I agree. Such, such simple changes in lines and shapes and he pulls out these incredible incredible expressions uh, yeah I completely agree it's I look at it and I think I should be able to do that it's just a dot and a line but but I can't of course but yeah he I, I think that's what I love about it most like I know for me when I'm looking at art you know especially children's art I always look at the eyes because I'm like you know eyes are so important they're like the most important part of the character and yet his eyes are truly just dots and it doesn't matter they totally do exactly what eyes are supposed to do, which is convey emotion. Yeah, he's he's so talented. Since we're talking about the art still, the can you share with me what your favorite illustration is from the book? Yes, it's funny how the art still can surprise you, even though you wrote the book. But what I did write, Stick imagining himself as different types of trees, as maple, as oak, as pine. And I, for some reason, I just didn't expect Tom to draw him with different kinds of leaves, which then turned into the end at the end papers, which is really stick wearing all these different kinds of leaves. But in the book, there's actually a page where he has three different color. They're in color and he's wearing three different types of leaves. And I just love it so much. I'm charmed by it. I love all their faces, but him wearing the different types of leaves just makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. The, the end papers are outstanding. Yeah. I, I feel like that's going to appeal to some sort of budding naturalist too, you know, yes. if they really yeah. pour over that and start exploring all the different different trees out there. But I just love that that references that, that families are all different too. And mm -hmm. we all look different and we all come in different shapes and sizes. And so I think it's really going to resonate with people, this, this sort of storyline on that our friend's truly are our family. I, yeah, I hope so. Because I agree. And I think that this pandemic really has been when you couldn't see your real family and the, you relied on your neighbors or on, you know, people that were within your sphere, which when you think about most of your friends are made in person. I mean, through the years, they might move and change, but, you know, you go to school and you make them or you go to the park and how do you make your friends by a personal interaction? I mean, we were all really limited this year with seeing our extended families if they didn't live close. And yeah, friends made all the difference. And I also think that sometimes our friends that we're more acquaintances acquaintances with, sometimes in these sort of different times or in a time of need, we don't realize how important some of our other friends are that maybe we haven't been as close with before. And so for me, when I was reading Stick and Stone Best Friends Forever, I loved when Pinecone reached <laughs> So Pinecone maybe wasn't a favorite character from Stick and Stone for Stick and Stone, but in this book, 
Pinecone actually comes to the rescue. So do you want to talk a little bit about Pinecone's role? It's funny um, because I really wasn't interested in introducing a new character. And I really felt like it's one of my favorite things when I talk to kids at when we get to the end of the original stick and stone, when um, Pinecone apologizes. And I always ask the kids if stick and stone, if they forgive him. So you would be surprised (laughs) by the answers (laughs) because of course I'm expecting everyone to say, yes, of course they forgive him, but it's a really great conversation about forgiveness because it's not easy to forgive someone if they've hurt your feelings. And, And I love that it's, it's really not even part of the plot or the story. It's just at the very end, but I think it's a really important conversation to have is how hard it is to forgive someone, but how important it is. And so I loved, I loved giving Pinecone the opportunity to come back and help them, even though they're not great friends. You know, it's not like, you know, the three of them went off. It's really still just stick and stone, but, but he's there in their world and he's, he is good too. And and I love that idea too, you know, that we all, you know, you can be bad or unkind, but then you can also redeem yourself. And, And I think, and I like the idea of redemption. I felt like that was such a great use of pinecone and I'm so glad that you <laughs> but you put pinecone in because obviously since Stick and Stone is a New York Times bestseller, there's a lot of kids out there that have read Stick and Stone. And so I think they're going to feel that same way as I did when they when they read Best Friends Forever. So I hope so. Thanks. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I know that that words themselves, just words are really important to you. So what would you say drives you and guides you in creating books? Is it your love of words? I think, you know, it's a really, it's a complicated relationship between words and stories and then sharing it with children, you know, because writing is such a, you know, you you have to write for yourself first. I truly believe you, you know, you can't write something that is unnatural to you. So you, you write what inspires you. And I know for me, it's the words that always just start the idea. But then I find when I look at my bookshelf, I'm like, wow, I really write about friends and pets a lot. And so, you know, it kind of makes you, I don't think you're consciously, I'm not consciously saying I'm going to write a book about another book about friendship. And I find that I just always kind of do. I find that really interesting. So there's lots of reasons to write for kids and there's lots of different writers. and, And I love that there's so many books because obviously there is a book for everyone. But for me, like, I, I think when I talk to kids, I want to share Share my love of words because I think words, they're they're just so there's so many. <laughs> and they're, you know, and I think we don't give them enough attention. And I always think like if I can make a child enjoy a story and want to read. I think that the words kind of follow. I'm sure most writers do this. You know, you're reading a sentence and you're like, wow, that sentence, how is that sentence so perfect or beautiful or evocative? And it's just because the right words are strung together. You know, kids really enjoy reading 
I don't think kids enjoy writing so much. So I, I, my idea is that if they can see how just putting a few words together in the right order, you know, it's not that hard and it can make them look at writing in a little bit of a different way, that it's just words, you know, it's not a big complicated thing. It's just finding the words that you like. Yeah. And so this, this leads me into one of my favorite questions that I like to ask. They say to be a writer, you need to be a reader first. And so I feel like that kind of goes hand in hand with what you're saying. So I know that you like to read every day and you actually shared a quote ahead of this chat. And I'm just going to read it here because I had never heard this quote before. And it felt like, it felt like it was written for me. (laughs) Me too. It says, I cannot remember the books I've read any more than the meals I have eaten. Even so, they have made me me. And it was a quote by R.W. Emerson. Right. And I really do believe to be, that to be a writer, you do need to be a reader first. I also feel like there's a little bit of a sort of stigma that comes along with identifying yourself as a reader or even doing what I do. People assume that you've read every single book and right. it's just not possible for one person to read every book, but you need to read the books that speak to you. Yeah, that speak to you. And I can I can't always recall exactly what every single book I've read was about, but I can tell you how how it made me feel and that means it's impacted me and sort of guided me onto sort of who I've become and I really believe that yeah I think I think so too like when I read that quote um, I think you get asked a lot as a writer you know what's your favorite book what book inspired you and and I really couldn't answer it because honestly some weeks it's a certain some weeks it's fiction some weeks it's nonfiction. some weeks it's an adult book And some weeks it's a kid's book. And so when I saw that quote, I was like, okay, yes, yes. A thousand times. Yes. Like it, they have made you from the books that you can't even remember reading as a child. Like I can't, I couldn't tell you like, you know, what did I read when I was 10? I don't know. There were so many less books, first of all, um, for children, but they all have, you know, made me into the person that I am today. And I like to read everything. I mean, and I also, I used to, when I was young, always finish a book. No matter what, if I started a book, I finished it. But now I don't feel that way. Now I feel like if it doesn't like click with me, I'm going to read something else because there are so many great books out there. I say to kids all the time, I'm like, if you're not a reader, the chances are you're not going to become a writer, which could totally be wrong. But that's my feeling. Why would you want to write if you didn't love to read? Yeah, I I, I think I I feel the same way too. And right there, I mean, there are always exceptions to the unsaid rules. So yeah, and you know, someone's out there like, I'm the exception to that rule. Okay. So, so both you and I are moms of three kids. So I imagine that your kids love to read and that I'm going to imagine that you have a house filled with books. Am I right? Yes, you are right. And what's funny is I had one that was not a reader as a child. And it was like my goal. I was like, I can't believe that there, he doesn't, like we would all just pick up a book. Like it just what, not always. And of course we watch television, but I had one that didn't originally. And it wasn't until he was in high school. And then once he was in high school, it was definitely an external influence. It wasn't me like throwing books at him saying, you will try this and you will like this. And I, it was like a gift to be honest, because I was like, oh, now I have three readers. Like there's like some success in motherhood. <laughs> you know, I think that comes back to two. And I I just was talking with Sophie Blackle on, an, on a previous podcast episode. And she said that she believes that books you're meant to read come to you when you're meant to read them. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that 
that's the secret. Your son obviously read a book at the time that he was meant to read it and in that moment became a reader. And I think he was like, oh, wait, this is what a book can do? I really mean it. I think it was that because he was definitely older and I think it made him think and it made him feel and it made him appreciate writing for the very first time. I'm pretty sure it was The Night Circus. I think it's an adult book, Aaron Morgenstern, and it just transformed him. And then everyone had to read it. I had already read it, but everyone in the family read it because they were like, wait, if he likes this, it must really be good. <laughs> I love it. So, so what, uh, what are their thoughts on stick and stone and stick oh. and stone best friends forever? I cut, you know what I, I like, it's such a treat to like, sometimes I'll overhear one of my kids talking and they'll say like, oh, my mom's a children's book author. <laughs> There's, I can just hear they're so happy to say that. So I think I do think that they, you know, will always love the first book the best because it kind of just changed my life, you know, just to be an author. And I think you want your, you want to make your children proud, even though you want your children to make you proud, you also want to make them proud. And I love that, that that's, you know, what Stick and Stone kind of did. I feel like they looked at me and were like, oh, my mom's an author. And I think they were really impressed by that, which doesn't happen a lot, right? That your kids are impressed by you. No, but I think too, there's like that magic of, you know, you showed them what it's like to be a grown person living out your dreams. And so isn't that amazing? And especially because I didn't pursue it until like, I have always wanted, you know, it's that thing. I think a lot of writers have always wanted to be writers. It's something that, you know, because they are readers. And so it's just like always, I think every single reader has that, maybe me too, that maybe me. And I, but I didn't think, you know, I could do it when my kids were so young. And so I didn't even try. Like, so finally, when my youngest was in seventh grade, I thought, okay, you know, it's kind of now or never, like I have to try. And, and then I wrote stick and stone like a few months after that. And so it, it will always feel just like that special gift to me. And then Tom Lichtenhout, you know? So, <laughs> well, I mean, since you just brought up Tom, I have to tell you that he has given me a message to share with you. <laughs> Are you ready? I am ready. Oh no. He says, hi, Beth. It's oh. Tom. <laughs> Sorry to budge in on your podcast, but I'm wondering if you've had time to write that Caldecott winning book I asked you for a while back. <laughs> Please include some Caldecott worthy art notes. That would make my job easier. Thanks. <laughs> okay. That's the best. I, I honestly, and I mean this I really mean this, like it's been, you know, when you think about highlights of when, you know, and I have only been published for six years. It's not like I've been an author for all that long, but getting to work with him is, is truly the highlight of my whole career. It's just been, he, he brings such a, a great perspective on the whole, you know, process. And I've learned so much from him and how he, you know, approaches books and how, what, is important to him, which I never think about from an author's point of view, you know, because you can't, because I can't draw the art, but I've just learned so much and I've enjoyed it so much working with him. So, and, and to be honest, I think he totally deserves a Caldecott. So I am a big fan of his art. (laughs) Absolutely. I I love his artwork too. And then, and then he said, I know you sent me these chocolate filled marshmallows to make s'mores with, but I'm so done busy illustrating books that I haven't had time to collect wood, chop it and build a fire but I've got a hankering for something sweet. And these marshmallows are the only chocolate in the house. So I'm wondering mm. if you'd mind if I just kind of ate them like candy. <laughs> he said, you're the best. 
<laughs> okay, that's so funny. Oh, that was laugh. I, I think a really something that you kind of know, but you don't really know is how long the art takes. Of course, it takes a long time. Um, and writing takes a really long time, but not quite as long as the art takes. Yeah. So I have a healthy appreciation for that. I want to know for you, going back to just sort of the the idea of being a reader, was there a pivotal moment in which you considered yourself a reader? Well, yeah, I think it's funny because I don't, yeah, it's one of those, I love that because it's it's like, do you consider yourself a daughter? Uh, you know, all those labels, when does, there is sometimes a moment. And for me, it was when I got my driver's license and I was like, how do I get to the high school? And my parents were like, we've driven you to the high school every day for like years. And I was like, yeah, but I was reading. So I never looked out the window. And I think that was, I was like, oh, I, I really am a reader. And I think that's what did it for me because I truly, even now, like in my own town, I, I have to use the navigation system because I don't, if I'm not driving, I don't pay attention because I'm always reading. So I think it was way back in high school where I, I felt like I could label myself a reader. <laughs> Oh, I love, I love that. I know I, you know, I often ask myself the same question. When did I become a reader? And yeah. for, me, for me, it's like the answer is far too long because it's, <laughs> it's really just a lifetime of people reading in front of me. And I could, I could name all of the people that basically inspired me to become a reader, but it's so different for everybody. And I don't even think I realized like you, that I was a reader until much, much older. It's just something you did. It's not who you were until it is who you are. Yeah. Right. It's, it is. It's just, and I think I kind of love that because like in order for you to realize that you're, you're talking about years and years of commitment to reading. I just want to kind of recircle, we'll go circle back to the um, idea of the stick and stone graphic novels, because mm. there's always so much conversation surrounding graphic novels. And I, I, I have a lot of people that come to me and say, my kids are like, they've, they've read Dogman, the Dogman graphic novels, like they're just stuck on it there. To me, I I'm like, that's good. That's good. They're reading and they're reading something that they love and they're, and something that they enjoy. And so for me, I am so grateful that the children's book industry is really doubling down on the amount of graphic novels that they're putting out because these graphic novel readers, and I have one in my own, own home, they are voracious readers. And, and it's, you know, it's interesting because there's, you know, it's not wordless. There's still lots and lots of words. So I I never quite understand when people say it's not really reading because I, I think it's, it's so much, you know, they're, you're definitely reading. And then you're also deciphering because the art is telling a lot of the story and that putting together, you know, the words with the art to understand what's happening is a really good skill. So yeah. And I, I agree. My husband was not a reader and he, every time we talk about graphic novels, he's like, oh my gosh, I wish there were graphic novels when I was young, because I think it would have changed how well I did in school. Like he really feels that way. He feels like he just was like alienated from reading because everything he was given to read did not resonate with him. And he didn't have options that the kids have today with these graphic novels. And he would have totally been the biggest supporter of graphic novels. And I think, yeah, he really thinks it would have changed his experience as a student. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm so excited to see where Stick and Stone goes with these graphic novels. I'm assuming 
there's going to be a lot of sort of friendship and and new characters. Um, That's what I kind of love about it. And, and the um, Kristen Sella who's doing the art is doing it in Tom's style. So it will look exactly like the characters actually look so that, that, and I've seen some of it and, and they actually do stick becomes like gets a marshmallow on his head, which is the whole like some more joke with Tom because like somebody finds him and puts a marshmallow on his head and wants to make a s'more. Oh, that's so funny. So it's just very cute. Um, I really, 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 really hope that everybody listening will go out and grab a copy of Stick and Stone Best Friends Forever, because I do think it's a story that's going to resonate with so many different people, especially fans of Stick and Stone. Yeah, I hope so. And I, you know, we didn't actually touch on this, but there's sort of a subtle sense in there because of that going out and seeking your family that I I do think it's a lovely, gentle story for um, uh, families who have adopted children, even uh, foster care parents. I, I feel like I feel like your story will resonate with them as well because it's just a beautiful reminder that maybe you're not in a home with your own specific biological family tree, but you truly are surrounded by people that love you. And in the end, I think family is just the people that you love and love you back. And I I think, yeah, I think your book conveys that. I'm glad. I'm so glad that that's what you got from the book, because that is, that was, you know, ultimately the point is, yeah, it's as long as you're loved, it it doesn't matter, you know, who loves you, if they're related to you, where they live next door to you, or, you know, it's someone that you talk to only on the phone, you know, just, you know, that you feel the love. Um, and friends supply, you know, they always say like friends are the family that you pick and, and truly sometimes it is really true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I do. I do believe that. Well, Beth, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. I cannot wait to see where stick and stone go on their adventures <laughs> moving forward. And uh, thank you so much. No, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us on this quest for growing readers. To see which author or illustrated guests we have coming up and how you can ask them questions and even be on our podcast, keep a watch on our site at thechildrensbookreview.com forward slash The Growing Readers Podcast to see how you can leave us a message. The Growing Readers Podcast is a production of The Children's Book Review. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show to get new episodes as soon as they launch. If you're enjoying our book chats, please leave us a review. And while you're at it, tell a friend to come and have a listen. To discover more amazing books for kids, just like Beth Ferry's Stick and Stone Best Friends Forever, I hope you'll visit us at thechildrensbookreview.com. Thank you.